This episode is brought to you by The Eating Expedition, hosting food-focused trips and experiences around the world. We take being a foodie up a notch. Farms, factories, food trucks, fine dining, and firsthand experiences guide our conversations with folks in the food world as we get a behind-the-scenes look into different food cultures and celebrate the connection that food provides. And we are headed back to Northern Italy. Grab your bestie, your mom, your partner, and join me, Morgan Sinclair, for a trip of a lifetime from September 25th to October 5th, 2023, as we experience the cuisine and food culture of Northern Italy, including Parma, Modena, Cinque Terre, Broth, and the Piedmont wine region. Head on over to theeatingexpedition.com for trip details and to sign up. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians, to building a cohesive brand, to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight inclusive business. The good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, Weight Inclusive Innovator fam. Today we are talking on the podcast about setting boundaries in your inbox. Morgan and I feel very strongly about this and have a lot of thoughts. But first, before we dive in, I want to ask Morgan just a check-in question. Give it to me. What's your check-in question? What are three small mundane things that are bringing you a lot of joy that aren't costing more than $10? My ice vanilla latte from Tenfold, that cost me $6. Love that. That one will always bring me joy. The book that I'm currently reading, which is called What I Was Doing While You Were Breeding, which is a very interesting title. And it's it's I, I have wrestled with it because I would love to have kids one day. And so it feels a little weird. Like it feels like a very polarizing title. Um, but really it's just like a memoir of this girl who spent her late twenties and early thirties. Like she wasn't dating anyone seriously, but a lot of her friends around her were getting engaged, getting married, having kids. And I feel like that is in this, that's just the stage of life that I'm in right now too. And so it feels validating and she does a lot of solo trips. So that's fun to read. That is so interesting. I, whenever you sent me an excerpt from the book, which was very entertaining and you told me the title that didn't even click. I was like, what is she, what are people breeding? Is it goats? Is it dogs? Like it didn't even click in my head of like, oh, Children. people having kids, people Got having it. kids. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little side note. And then I'll get to my number three. I am part of a virtual book club. And then there's a handful of people in Houston that have been wanting to join a book club. And so problem solver over here, I just created one. Amazing. And so I have outside of the book that I'm reading, cause that's just like a for me and for fun. I have two books that I'm reading. I'm going to start reading that I have to finish before mid March. And both of them are over 400 pages. And I was like, what, what did I get myself into? Ooh, I'm like the other book, such a slow reader. So one of them is called Bluebird. It apparently was like super popular on TikTok for a little bit. 
the like one liner tagline is lesbian gunslinger fights spies in space. <laughs> That's and awesome. I'm not a sci-fi girl. I, it's usually really hard for me to get into sci-fi books, but I was like, whatever, we're just going to try it. And then the other book is The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. Uh, and it's a historic fiction book about World War II. I've been seeing that one go around a lot mm-hmm. over the last few years. That's my favorite thing about book club is it forces me to read books that I wouldn't usually pick up. So anyway, okay. My number three thing, I'm like looking around my apartment to see. Oh, okay. My number three thing that has brought me a lot of joy this week is a bag of trolley crawlers. The sour <gasps> worms. Because, What's your favorite flavor combo? Oh, the blue and red ones for sure. They need to make a bag. You know how Starburst like makes the fave reds bag? Trolley Collars needs to do that for the blue and the red ones. Have you had the octopus? Octopi? Yeah. They're, it's just, it's, it's, it doesn't hit the same. It doesn't hit the same. And uh, shout out Hannah Stefan got me on Trolley Crawlers where now every time I travel, that's like her favorite travel snack. And her and I have traveled some together recently for like road trips. We flew to New York together for Super Bowl. And I now associate trolley crawlers with travel. And so this brings me a lot of joy, but we uh, brought on a new team member at super bill and we did a like candy bracket challenge. Um, similar to like March madness. I say this to you as if you know what March madness is, do you know what March madness is? I know what it is. I'm, <laughs> I just don't like sports. I know okay. some stuff know about it. Yeah. I mean, I and do so- like sports. I don't like watching basketball, football, baseball, all that. So boring to me. Carry on. My yeah. disclaimer's done. So Um, the person that was organizing this thought a lot of us were going to have like the same generic candy we like, and all of us got so specific with our candies. So it was a, it was two one hour calls to get the winner of this candy bracket challenge and trolley crawlers took the, took the W took the win. Wow. That is dedication. What were other options of the candy? So, uh, runner up was, uh, Reese's classic. Yes. So good. So good. The three that I put in, because we each put three in, were York Peppermint Patties, which are some of my absolute favorite candies. They're okay. Carry on. We're going to have to have a wee candy bracket challenge. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually trying to think what else I put in there because I was, I, I fought for the York Peppermints and they honestly made it pretty far. And I was, because we had to like argue, not argue, debate. (laughs) <laughs> which candy was the best and like which one and we did like polls to vote um yeah I actually truthfully don't remember because we did this back in like our first one was back in December or we gave the candies back in December and so so long ago short-term memory probs but anyway yeah those are my three things my coffee from Tenfold what I was doing while you were reading and trolley crawlers I love that combo my last question about the candy brackets were there any gross candies that people put that everyone was just like, what the fuck? Like good and plenties. Those are trash. I have no clue what those are. They're like the little um, pink and white candy. That's licorice. That's in Ooh, a box. licorice. And people it's obviously polarized and it's obviously a very small amount of people who fucking love those things. But yeah. anytime I meet someone, I'm like, I can't trust you. That's yeah. gross. <laughs> the, the only there, so there were two on there where one, I was like, I've just never had it and it doesn't sound super appealing. And the other one, 
there's a time and a place for it. So the one that I have just never had is just like straight nougat. Like it's in Milky Ways, it's in Snickers, it's in other bars. Three Musketeers is probably the most famous one it's for, but I've never had it without like a chocolate coating. Mm. So that one was odd to me. And the one, I think it made it all the way until like the final four was Swedish fish. <laughs> also polarized. Which like there, I, I, there is a time and a place for Swedish fish. It would not be my go-to. And so the fact that it beat out so many other candies, I was appalled. It is kind of like chewing on plastic with a hint of cherry, I suppose. They're okay. They're subpar. They're okay when you first open the bag, but like it's the kind of candy that I can't eat a whole bag or box in one sitting. And if you leave it open, like they get so stale so quickly. I think that's what it is about them. Yep. Yep. Also, I said cherry flavor, but I'm pretty sure the novelty of Swedish fish is they're basically their own flavor that nobody can describe. So I would say cherry is like the closest. Anywho, what are your three things? My three things are, so I'm really into making pour overs right now. Shout out to my partner for helping me learn how. Do you have a Chemex? No, I have a Hario. Okay. Little pink guy. I don't know what it's called, but basically it's a funnel looking thing that sits on top of the, do you know what it's called? I don't know what that specific brand is called, but it's, so Chemex is a brand, but it's like the same thing. It looks kind of like an hourglass and you put the filter on top and you put the grounds and you pour hot water over it. Yes. But this is just the top of the hourglass. So you put the top of the hourglass. It has like this base on top of your cup. Gotcha. And it's just such a soothing process. Like you grind your coffee, mm-hmm. you set up the, we'll call it a funnel and you put the filter in and then you pour hot water over the filter and you make it wet. And then you put the whole shebang on your scale, which is a coffee scale. Mm-hmm. And this is actually important, even though I'm like, Ugh, I don't want a kitchen scale. But you're supposed to weigh the coffee grounds in grams. And then however many grams, let's say it's 20 grams of coffee, you multiply it by 15 and then you tear it. So you make it zero and you pour your hot water over it until you reach that number. It kind of tells you how much water to put in. And so, so if there's 20 grams, you're going to pour until it hits 300 grams after you zero it again. But for the first, and you want to do all this in under two minutes. Yeah. So it's like challenge accepted. And for the first part, you do one pour and you kind of do it in a swirl and you really want to just get the top layer of the coffee grounds wet. And it's called making it bloom. And Mm. this releases like acidity and gas. So you can like see it bubble and you let that sit for 30 seconds. So then you really only have a minute and a half to pour the water let it soak through, pour the water, let it soak through. And it's so satisfying and it makes fucking awesome coffee. Like I'm a latte cappuccino gal through and through, but pour overs have been so good lately, just black. And I always used to be like, black coffee is trash. I need milk. But when you do it this way with really good coffee, it is so smooth and delightful. And just, I don't know. It's like getting a warm hug inside your tummy. I've been increasingly curious about pour overs. My mom asked for a Chemex for Christmas and she got it. 
Um, and ever since then I've been like super curious about it, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about because the, what they, like what you use to do the pour over is what they use at tenfold. And I'm pretty sure they're pink also. Okay. That was your first thing. What are your next two things? Okay. That's my first thing. And also that's probably more, well, I don't think it's more than $10 because I'm thinking per cup of coffee, it's Mm. probably like, mm, let's see a bag of coffee beans. is like $20 for good coffee. And I probably can get at least 10 pour hours out of that. So we'll say $2. There you go. It's also bringing me a lot of joy to be practicing Spanish. I'm not going to include my Spanish lesson because that is more than $10, but just having like a little routine and something that feels important to me and a priority of having my Spanish homework and having my throwback book from high school. That's the same one we're using in my Spanish lessons. Um, basically it's the orange book that says Espanol two and has mm-hmm. pictures of mountains on it. You okay. are, if you know, if you know, you know, and I'm Googling just, this. I don't know if I know, I don't Google know. It. You're going to see it use. and you're going to feel nostalgia. I'm literally Googling orange Spanish book, Espanol two mountains. I linked it in oh. our last mm-hmm. Viva el Espanol si. with Machu Picchu <laughs> on it. Yep. Yep. Oh my God. You just unlocked a a core memory. I know. As soon as my tutor pulled it out, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. We're back. Full circle. (laughs) Full circle. But it's been so nice to have some structure to learning and equally feeling overwhelmed of like, how the fuck am I ever going to have a full conversation? But also reflecting back to when we were in Mexico City in June last year. I feel like I know so much more, even though it's still basic. I feel like I went from two-year-old to three-year-old perhaps. So I'm just going to be patient and I'm really being intentional, carving out time to practice because the only way to practice is, or to get better is to practice, right? Yeah. So I'm letting myself be in process and be present with that. And that's feeling, that's bringing me a lot of joy. Um, and even though the lessons are not inexpensive, they're really, they're affordable, but they're not inexpensive. The The homework is, I guess. There you go. <laughs> and then my third thing, you know, what's bringing me joy is the wave of 50 degree weather in Denver because 50 degrees with the sun in Denver is chef's kiss. It is so perfectly comfortable and everybody is out and about going for walks or being outside and everybody's just happy. So it's, it's just an ambiance that feels amazing. I love it. I love that. I know y'all had some shitty weather for a while and it's the snow is still not melted. I don't know how we've had like three days of 50 degrees and it's, it's like ice packed onto the ground. Jeez. I'm ready for it to be done. Yeah. Well, soak up all the 50 degree weather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You ready to dive in? Let's do it. So this probably seems like a very random niche topic (laughs) to be discussing like boundaries with your email. But whenever I think about the death of productivity and the thing that drives me the most crazy and the thing that makes me the most anxious, it is 100% my inbox. How about you? Oh, it drives me up the wall. Having my inbox open and like seeing that number just go like up and up and up. I'm not just going to let it be like, I'm going to go check it. And then, yeah, all productivity is out the window. 
I even think the number doesn't have to be going up, but just seeing something unread is like a notifier to my brain of what is it? How urgent is it? Is it something new and shiny that's going to give me dopamine, like an opportunity or someone I really want to talk to or X, Y, Z, insert whatever you're looking for and or on the distraction or on the like harder side of it too, of like, I sent an email setting a boundary and now I'm worried about how that person's going to respond. Oh like, yeah. What shit storm's going to be in my inbox. It's like sending a, like a, it was great meeting you on the first date, but I don't see this going anywhere. Kind of like that feeling that comes up where you're like anticipating the response and nothing productive happens <laughs> until they respond. Yeah, exactly. And then it's occupying your brain space. Even if you're not in your inbox, it's just, it's just blah. Okay. So you always say email is the death of productivity. And I love that. But there is another thing that you, I don't know where you said this, when you said this, but I wrote it down. It's here. And it's, and you said, it might've been during our workshop that we did, but you said being in your inbox is prioritizing what others need instead of what is needed for you to grow your business. Wow. Past Hannah is so insightful. So wise. That was mind-blowing to me. Clearly, it's written down. (laughs) Well, and that's been through learned experience over the last four years of putting out fires. Because essentially, that's what I'm doing when I'm in my inbox. And whenever I'm putting out fires, one, I don't even, for the longest time, I didn't decide what was a fire or not. It was somebody asking for my attention, so I gave it. And that's prioritizing what others need. And there's such a fine line, especially in my position of being the group practice owner, where other people are dependent on me. And at the same time, what I've had to do as sort of a butterfly effect is have people think critically on my team about what is a what is actually a fire for me to address urgently. And if that is the case, how do you put it in the subject line of this is urgent or shoot me a text? And that comes back to boundaries too, of knowing what that actually looks like and when that's appropriate versus I am honoring what my boss's boundaries are, which is she'll get back to things within 48 hours. And I'm also going to do that because that's being modeled for me. So yes, if you're prioritizing what others need from you and it's not consensual for yourself of, yes, this is a priority, Mm -hmm. then you are going to get in the way of growing your business or that is going to get in the way of growing your business. Another one of my favorite phrases that like I have to remind myself all the time. I've actually told a handful of people this past week is someone else's urgency is not my emergency. Preach. I love, I love the rhyme. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. But this is also, I like say that like, you know, the little like sassy girl emoji with her hand up. I'm like, someone else's urgency is not my emergency. And there are times where things are time sensitive or they need to get answered. Like, I'm not saying we should just like ignore our inboxes. And so what does that balance look like for you? I know you mentioned like with your team, you have them, like you have boundaries in place of like, I'll get back to you within 48 hours. If it is urgent, put it in the subject line. Yeah. So I wish I could tell you my perfect system of how I awesomely (laughs) have amazing boundaries with my inbox, but I actually want to take a step back and ask you first, how many times do you check your email a day? And when do you start checking your email? Oh, Jesus. This is a tough question to answer 
I say this in like a not a like look at me go kind of way, but I manage seven emails. Okay, that's a nightmare. Yeah, I have like my personal one. I have an and then like personal adjacent. I have an email set up just for shopping and I don't shop a lot, but I hate you know, when they're like, get 15% off your first order and you have to like put in your email and that's going to like put you into an automated series for them to send you stuff. I hate that being in like my personal inbox. And so I have a separate email address I give to all of them. And it makes it way easier to go back and find receipts whenever I need to return things. That is so smart. Thank you. It's called Morgan. It's Morgan's lookbook. Please don't email me. I'm not <laughs> going to take that out. <laughs> that uh, is Morgan's boundary. Please don't email her. Please don't email me to that email address. Um, I won't tell you what the ending is. You could probably guess. <laughs> you could probably guess. Okay. And then I have Heads Conference, Morgan Sinclair Designs, Weight Inclusive Business Academy, Eating Expedition, Superville, and Tag Team, Weight Inclusive Innovators with you. Yeah. I was going to say, let's lot. be honest, you definitely look at that one too. Oh, 100%. Yeah. At least daily. Once a day. Usually not more than that. So depending on like the block that I have dedicated if I have like a two-hour block just for the eating expedition like I'm going to be in that inbox so I I I check Morgan Sinclair designs because I'm my primary one probably three or four times a day I would say on average for all of the other ones four to five times a week just once a day but I'm in Morgan Sinclair designs probably more than I should be (laughs) we're not gonna shit on you okay thank you I am curious, really good about my email boundaries. Love that. I feel like anytime I email you, you never get back to me right away in the best way. And so I respect that. And I, I even think when I do email you, I'm like, Morgan will get to this when she gets to this. So and I I see that in you as well. That's right. Do you ever use, especially Morgan Sinclair designs inbox to avoid tasks or you find yourself kind of cycling through looking for something and then you end up in the same place of like, I don't want to touch any of these right now. And I just wasted half an hour. hundred percent. It's pretty much what my day <laughs> looks like because I'll be like working on a task and I'll be like, oh, they emailed me. Oh, I'm working on this website. They emailed me the script that they want me to link, like the PDF that they want me to link on their website. Pop one over to my inbox. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, and I'm like, oh, by the time I started working on this until now, I have five new emails. <laughs> Yeah. What are they about? Who are they from? Yep. Yeah. That's and then I'm like, wait, what was I doing? Oh yeah. I was working on this person's website. Okay. Got to find the PDF. The cycle. The cycle is real. It's, it's really real. Okay. How many times do you open your inboxes? Okay. Well, I know you have all, more than one too. <laughs> well, first of all, oh man, I have, let's see my Hannah and nourish Colorado email. Hello at values driven group. Hello, Weight Inclusive Innovators. Those are my main three that I monitor. Um, I also monitor Caitlin's email sometimes because it's our admin email for Nourish Colorado, which she knows I'm in and out of there. Mm-hmm. I really try hard to not, but sometimes when I get in a little bit of a panic of like, where are we at for inquiries this week? Um, XYZ, whatever, then I'll pop in there. And I'm sure Caitlin is like side-eyeing me because she can tell when I read her messages and then forget to mark them as unread. <laughs> Caitlin, you, so inclusive, you do that for weight inclusive innovators too. And I'm like, Anna, where's this email? <laughs> it's my toxic trait. Okay. The other toxic trait I have 
Well, I have a school email. I don't really check it. I actually have things forwarded over to my Hannah at Nourish Colorado. And then I have a personal email that I've had since before college. And it has like 30,000 unread messages and it's all shopping and shit I don't care about. So I never check it. And sometimes I will, if I have some random old account linked to that email and then I'm like, fuck, I need to go in here. I'll do that. However, my toxic trait is I use my Hannah at Nourish Colorado email for personal things now too. (gasps) I I was literally about to bring this up talking about our current email boundaries. I'm like, I may have a lot of emails, but they're all separate. And I, I, I know having a lot of emails like can seem stressful, but I have everything separated and I'm going to consider that a boundary. It is a boundary. I'm too deep with Hannah at Nourish Colorado being my everything email. And actually there's even a couple on the admin account. Like for example, I don't know why, but whenever I book at my massage place, it's connected to the hello at Nourish Colorado account. So Caitlin just emails me, forwards me when I have a massage. And I'm like, thanks, Caitlin. <laughs> so I need to fix that. Do not do what I do. Um, it is tough. Like I remember being at the mountain and I have the Epic Pass. If you don't know, there's like a, a rivalry between Epic Pass and Icon Pass. It's two mountain passes, very popular in Colorado where you can go to different resorts. I have Epic Pass. And Epic has a app that you can use to see like what runs you did for the day, how much altitude you got, like how high, how many feet did you get, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of fun to look at those stats. And I was logged out of my account. And so I was on the top of the mountain at Keystone, had to go into my fucking work email to reset my password, couldn't get in, had to contact Caitlin to do it for me. And it was a weekend and she's like, yep, I'll hop in. And I'm like, so sorry. This isn't even a big deal. Why am I doing this? Fuck this app. Anyway, I got logged in so that I could track my day. And it was just, I was just like, wow, why do I have this in my work email? So anyway, don't do what I do. Even if you were able to get into your work email, like that would suck to see all of the emails that came in, like while you're on the top of the mountain, trying to have a like unplugged day. Exactly. Exactly. Which kind of goes back to maybe I shouldn't have even used the app in the first place because who cares that much? I don't want to be on my phone. Wait. So how many times do you check your email a day? <sighs> don't avoid the question. <laughs> um, If I'm in a really grounded space where my day is pretty structured and I'm like, here's my times that I'm going to do these things and I have to prioritize this over my inbox, then I'll check it just in the time that I've allotted for my inbox. But If I have a morning where I'm running behind and seeking stimulation, I'll automatically pull up my inbox and just see what's in there. And I'll start with my horoscope that I get a daily email (laughs) from that goes into my fucking work email. And then it'll, it'll be kind of a spiral from there. So that's not all the time. And usually when I find myself in that, I just close out really quick and I'm like, nope. But I do have this toxic trait where, and maybe this is a different question. Did I answer your question? I don't know if I did. How many times do you open your email every day? Oh, maybe three. Sometimes more if I'm dysregulated and I'm just like, I'm looking for something to do and pretend that I'm productive. These times don't happen as much as they used to now that I'm conscious of it, which is why I feel so passionately of like close your damn inbox. Yep. But sometimes I still get in that spiral, especially if I, if something exciting has happened, like I'm trying to get a new 
group practice coaching client scheduled. And I'm like, yay, can't wait to get them on my schedule. And then I'm looking for their email and I'm like, they're going to email me when they email me and I'll check my email again tomorrow. Hannah, chill the Mm -hmm. fuck out. So yeah, I'd say three times a day, sometimes more, unfortunately, if I'm in one of those dysregulated states. Do you usually check it first thing in the morning? Nope. I have really strong boundaries. I'm going to say 95% of the time. Cause again, sure. I'll have one of those. None of this times. is perfect. Yes. None of this is perfect. 95% of the time. I don't get on my technology at all until 9am, maybe mm-hmm. 845. If I'm like, okay, I need to see what my schedule is. And this goes back to boundaries in general to the best of my capabilities. No one will talk to me or see me before 9am mm-hmm. because I love a couple hours in the morning to myself to do all the things I want to do to journal, to practice Spanish, to take my dog out, to make my pour over, to eat breakfast and to just ease into the day. Don't talk to me until 9am. I will not be checking my email until 9am. I feel that Mondays. I am very good about, I honestly, Mondays, I usually don't check my email until like at least after lunch because I just like really value the start of the week, that visionary time getting kind of my ducks in a row for the week. And like, I know that they're like going into the week. I know that there are things that I need to get accomplished. Accountability club has been super helpful for this. I set my big three for the week before I check my email because the, oh. I know that I'm prioritizing those things for me and they're not based on other people's needs. Okay. That is huge. And that needs to be our quote of the week on Instagram because I'm going to start doing that. And I think we should prompt our, our accountability club to do that as well, mm-hmm. because I often go into my inbox to see what is speaking to me priority wise, which I don't think is helpful. Cause again, that's someone else possibly setting my priorities. Exactly. I go into our accountability club, Google sheets, where we list out our monthly goals. And I use that to prioritize. Very and then smart. I get tasks done. I like set blocks of time. And then I look at my inbox of what other people need from me. And then I can add in more blocks of time if I need to like, if I'm like working with a client one-on-one and I'm like, oh yeah, I need to like schedule an hour of time to like work on their website mock-up or whatever. That's awesome. That's perfect. Cause yeah, I mean, we're going to get to things in our inbox regardless and the inbox can kind of function as a place to hold to-dos, which I have mixed feelings about. And maybe we can talk about that next, Mm -hmm. but the reality is if those to-dos are already there, what do you want to prioritize and then get to those? So Mm -hmm. you just blew my Mm -hmm. mind. Thank you. Accountability club first. Then I look at my Asana second, and then we'll eventually get to email. Okay. So Hannah and I have done a lot of work together, talking through this together it's why it's a random podcast topic because we both feel really strongly about this and by no means are either of us perfect at setting boundaries around emails. There are definitely things that we strive for, but the goal is not perfection. The goal is awareness, maybe awareness and optimization. There we go. I like that too. And so we have brainstormed some ways to, uh, set boundaries around emails. Some of these are things that both of us do. Hannah and I also have a very different way around optimizing our inbox, which we'll dive into. But as we go through these and kind of what we've already talked about too around our current boundaries, we encourage you just to like start with one of them and see, because 
it's not like a zero to 100 thing. And the truth is like, there are going to be times where we do need to be more diligent about checking our inbox as well. Checking it and getting back to people. Yes. So number one, not keeping your inbox open all day. This is important one, because it's a distraction. And two, this could be a HIPAA violation ethics thing. So for example, if you're working in a coffee shop, you're doing admin work and you have clients emailing you in your inbox and that is exposed on public Wi-Fi, that's a problem. And also somebody could walk past your screen, see names, all of that. As a side note, do not open your EHR on public Wi-Fi at a coffee shop either. That's a huge no-no. I also think with keeping it open all day and you're trying to see clients, if you're doing one-on-one work with people, that's going to overstimulate you and have your brain in multiple places instead of focusing and being present at the task at hand or any other thing you're trying to work on. So it's really just, that is an ultimate recipe to burnout, to be honest, because your brain is being pulled in so many directions in the same moment. And it also kind of brings up a bigger thing that I also am not a fan of, which is all the tabs open all the time. I used to be a 50 person tab of Hannah, don't forget this. You have to keep it open or else. But then I just started getting so overwhelmed and overstimulated. I close everything. And I'm like, if it's meant to be, it'll be, I'll find it later. Do that too. (laughs) All the time when I start to get overwhelmed and I have like multiple windows open, each window has a bunch of tabs open. I'm like, I'm closing out of everything and starting fresh. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Don't even care if I never see this cookie recipe again. Fuck it. Goodbye. <laughs> if it's meant to Wasn't be. meant to be. Yes. Yes. Okay. So in alignment with not keeping it open all day, I know we're kind of talking about like having it open in a tab on your computer. I'm also going to say, turn off your email on your phone. Mm. And this is going to be very specific because it is for an iPhone using the Gmail app because I'm a Google business girl. All of my emails go through Google. So now people know where to reach here. (laughs) Now know know the ending of my, my email, whatever. And so all of my emails are on Gmail. If you open up the Gmail app and uh, you, uh, Okay. So if you click on the top right corner where it has your little like favicon or like an initial and it opens up any emails that you have in Gmail and you click on manage accounts on this device, there's a little toggle and you can just turn all of them off because I hate signing out of all of them because then like if I'm out and I really need to pull something up and I don't remember my passwords or anything like that, that stresses me out more. Whereas if you just like toggle them off, You won't have like the number on the Gmail app that tells you how many unread emails you have. You won't get any notifications. I don't have notifications for my emails anyway, because that stresses me the fuck out. Also a boundary that I highly encourage people to have you that's yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. But then if I need, if I like really needed something like, oh, I'm going shopping and I need to pull up a receipt. I can literally go in and just turn on that one email instead of all of them. And that has been the biggest game changer for me. And it has allowed me to have so much more peace around my emails and not panic. Are, I did not know about that toggle feature. That's really helpful. You can also go rogue like me and just delete the app off your phone and then only use Safari to log in, which is its own hell. Oh, but no. hopes- oh my God. This sounds awful. Well, the hopes is that I just don't fucking do it. 
right? Like no email on my phone, no email on my phone, none, zero, no apps. Well, I mean, there's apps, just no email apps. Kudos to you. That stresses me out. Again, different boundaries work for different (laughs) people. Another thing that I like to do occasionally is pause my inbox. And I tend to do this if I am working on a project where I know I'm going to have to be in my inbox looking for things from that person. You can pause your inbox. Again, Gmail. I don't know if this is how it is for Outlook. I hate Outlook. Sorry, hot take. Um, But for Gmail, you can pause your emails and say like, you know, pause for an hour and no new emails will come into your inbox during that time frame that you set. They the person will still be able to send them when you unpause it, they'll all come through, but for that time being, you can have all of them paused and just focus on the task at hand without having to be triggered by new emails coming in. That is so fascinating. I didn't even know that was an option. Okay, but then my brain is like just close out of your inbox. But I guess if you need to be working in your inbox. Right. Right. So like I'm thinking like I I'm thinking for like design work. Uh, there's a client I have right now, and I know that there are five unread emails from her, all with different things related to tasks that I need to do for her website. And so like, I know I'm going to be in my inbox because I'm going to have to pull the things that she sent me in order to like incorporate them into the website. And so I have the option to pause my inbox. So nothing else comes through and I can just focus on her emails. Okay. I love that. Which brings me to kind of the the topic of inbox zero. I hate (laughs) inbox zero. (laughs) Will you explain what inbox zero is? Well, I imagine it's how you have things structured in the we inbox where even if there are things unread, you don't like to see any emails when you open up the inbox. You move everything into labels or categories on the left-hand side even if they're unread. So, okay. That's probably just a, I didn't need to open this because it's not important. So I'm just going to file it. But (laughs) the idea is that you don't use your inbox as a task manager. And so as emails come through in the time that you're checking your email and dealing with it, you're not opening emails just to unread them again. You are opening the email and either making it a task on your task management system or you're addressing it in that moment. And the goal is to get to no new mail. And that makes a little more sense. I was more so the only time that I've ever seen inbox zero in action is with you and our we email. And I opened it up one day knowing that someone needed to respond to me and there were no emails when I opened it. And I'm like, where did this go? Where is <laughs> and come to find out you had moved it into one of the categories, but just left it on red. And I had no idea to go look in the category for that email. Yeah. I think my brain was like, do we have to respond to this email? Which yes. That is on needed me. to respond to that email. <laughs> joys of joys of uh, co-owning a business where you both have access to the email. <laughs> learn a lot about communication styles with each other. Yes, I'm very avoidant. It's fine. <laughs> there was a panicked text to you of like, where did this email go? And I'm pretty sure I even tried to search for it and it wouldn't pull it up. Anyway. Yeah, that's okay. my bad. We've since okay. figured that out. It's fine. Yes. 
So I can, I can get on board with inbox zero. And this is something that I don't do, but I think could be really helpful now that I'm like in a really good flow with Asana is moving tasks into Asana when they need to get done. I am team read it make sure it's not urgent and then unread it. And I have all of my unread messages at the top. So like things don't get lost. Like all of my unread messages are right there at the top of my inbox. So I see them every single day to remind myself that I need to go in and do stuff. Unfortunately, there are some emails that fall through the cracks. I literally responded to someone today that had emailed me on December 31st. And I'm like, (laughs) I am so sorry. Yep. And so, and so things do fall through the cracks. And so I am, I'm, I'm very intrigued about the possibility of me switching up the system and moving things into Asana. It's a process. I am still, I'm working towards being team inbox zero, but there are times where I still leave things unread and I'm like, cool, I'm going to circle back to this before the end of the week. And then all of a sudden six fucking weeks pass. Like, for example, I've been talking with somebody about a speaking opportunity. We started talking in November. I just got back to them last week and was like, holy fuck, I missed the deadline. Shit, I hope you still want me to talk. Those emails are so embarrassing. I literally send the email and I'm like, hi, I am so embarrassed (laughs) with how long it has taken me to respond to you. Thank you so much for your patience and me getting back to you. Might be. That's so interesting. You use the word embarrassed because oh yeah, I, I, I just feel yeah, which is totally valid. Naming that I, emotion. <laughs> <laughs> I think I feel bad. Like I feel like, oh God, sorry, I left you hanging. I don't know what emotion is there for me, but embarrassed doesn't feel which is maybe like fucked up. Maybe I should feel embarrassed, but I'm just like, oops. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Mommy. My bad. Oh, okay. I was listening to, oh God. Um, it was either a podcast or a TikTok or an Instagram story. Don't remember which one, but it stuck with me. So, um, someone who says that they are team unread emails until Friday, and then they don't close their inbox on Friday until their inbox zero. Interesting. And I'm like, that feels like a happy medium to me where I can like leave things open during the week. And then like, just block off an hour on my Friday schedule for emails. And it's either answering the email or moving the email into Asana. And I think it really depends on the nature of your work, right? I know at my practice, our policy with how I interact with my team, how my team interacts with clients is 48 hours. Mm -hmm. So that may not work if you're in a private practice setting and your clients have an expectation of you, but if it's coordinating care, that's not urgent. And you're just trying to like regularly schedule something with another clinician or networking, marketing, other projects you're working on emails that come through having a time block on Fridays. That sounds awesome. And how do you maybe incorporate an auto responder if that feels appropriate? Mm -hmm. Again, I have a love hate relationship with them. I love seeing people's expectations and auto responders all day for when you're on vacation and you should not be checking your inbox but sometimes when I get autoresponders in people's day-to-day emails, I'm like, that's so annoying. It is. It's also annoying because if you have one set up and then you go into your sent folder, it keeps all of the auto responses in your sent folder. And I'm like, this is not helpful in trying to go and find an email. So yeah, again, I, I agree. I have a love-hate relationship 
with autoresponders, out of office emails, whatever you want to call them. And, and I think it depends on the nature of the business. So for like the heads conference, for example, like we really only do planning from August, September until the conference in February. And so, and we, and for that planning up until like January, February, we only meet once a week. And so one thing that we added, because we were getting stressed about not getting back to people in like a manner that they thought would be appropriate when we were only meeting once a week. And that was an important boundary for us to have of like only deal with the inbox when we're meeting. We set up an out of office email that was like, we meet on Tuesdays. We will get to your email then. Just so people knew, just so they knew that they had like, was the expectation. Yep. We have one set up for our billing email for Nurse Colorado. So we have billing email. That's another one that I, I kind of monitor, but I mostly have that handed off to our billing department because we have a whole team dealing with that with the amount of people we see at the practice. But I'll still pop in there if, if something comes through in the admin email that's billing and there's an issue or a conflict or someone needs me to look at something, I'll pop in there. But we have an autoresponder there that lets clients know, thank you for emailing the billing department. We monitor this inbox a few times a week. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. If you're looking for this, here's this link. If you're looking for this kind of support, here's this other email. And so it just really helps people get to where they need to go and also reduce their urgency, which comes up a lot with money and billing to know like we are going to address this, but we are, we don't have the capacity to do same day or, you know, we care about this, but it's not our emergency. Um, just to be transparent, my inbox is currently over 100. Oh, this is a fun <laughs> game. Let's do that. So I don't recommend letting your inbox get to this. I usually, I'm really striving for inbox. For a while, it was inbox under 15. And now it's inbox zero because again, my system is, if there's a task I need to do, I'm going to throw it in Asana and assign it a due date or at least a revisit date. And then I'm going to get rid of the email, whether... I have a label on the side actually called zero to do's and it's called zero to do. So it's at the top of my labels in my inbox. And so if I'm like, okay, this has a task in Asana that's associated with it. I know where to find it. It's in the to do's folder so that I can come into my inbox and not be overwhelmed with 100. Wow. Okay. There's 144. I lied. Holy shit. 118 are unread. Some of them are like list serves and things, but still hate it. Wait, you have 144 emails, 118 are unread. Do you delete emails? No, I archive. Oh, I don't even do that. I, I never delete anything. Box. Oh, me neither. Unless it's Unless spam. Spam? <laughs> same. Yeah, same way. Um, I'm currently at 17. And that's only because I went through my unread emails this morning and responded to people. Amazing. Um, our Weight Inclusive Innovators is inbox 12. And my values-driven group is inbox four. So that's pretty All good. right. Not too shabby. Look at us go. Hannah at Nourished is a fucking mess. Always. Always. I'm working on it. You're working on it. Inbox zero. Here we come. Thanks for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the pod on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please leave us a rating and review, share with the business bestie, and check out our website at weightinclusiveinnovators.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.